the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. I'm Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Legal Board of Legal Specialization. And in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. I am a master of the laws of taxation law, as well as a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. And both of my master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the beautiful, wet, but beautiful downtown San Francisco. Because of my training, experience, and interest, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, but I also do debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate law, and, of course, taxation law. And I'm proud to say that on occasion, as part of my practice, I'm sometimes able to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who have found themselves the victims of the various forms of financial elder abuse. That's really a problem today for a lot of seniors. I am, as always pleased to be able to come to you once again today from the beautiful KFAX studios, which is also in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area, to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, as always, I ask you to please note that I don't provide any legal advice on this show. And I'm not uh, developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show is an educational forum um, with the purpose of exchanging information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, because that's the only way you can find a way to redress your problem is your specific set of facts and circumstances. And since I don't know you or your specific set of facts and circumstances, it's impossible for me to provide you with legal advice or for me to enter into an attorney-client relationship with you because I don't know you. But hopefully this show will provide you with an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help to help you with your legal or financial issue because, as I've said before, when you go and represent yourself in a court or sometimes in even negotiating with a creditor or um, if you are a creditor negotiating with a debtor um, on your own, it's it's like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. You just don't um, have 
in my opinion, all of the tools in the toolkit that you need to get your best result. And as a result, you might find um, your really good um, claims against another party or your really good defenses shielding you from liability from the other party, they're going to go by the wayside and they'll likely see the promised land long before you do. So once again, I must share with you the purpose here, uh, Selwyn's Law on KFAX, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss some of the law as it's related to your money and including the lack thereof, your finances and what you may need to consider to protect your family's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening form. Uh, And once again, I must tell you how much I appreciate the fact that um, some of you reach out to me each week uh, with your comments, and I really appreciate them. Other people provide me with um, suggestions about topics. Thank you very much. I will consider each and every one of them. Uh, But the topic that I'm continuing today is the one that we've been discussing for the last few weeks. And um, again, uh, it it keyed off of a couple of uh, my listeners who called in, um, who didn't call in, they wrote me an email, a letter, uh, explaining uh, how they feel about what's going on with our major public utility here in Northern California, PG&E. And, you know, they since I had broached the subject about the possibility of a pr- public takeover of the private companies, uh, these two individuals, both gentlemen, um, wanted me to broaden uh, the discussion. And I'm, I'm very happy to do so because it led me to some research uh, that I want to share with you all. And I know some of you are saying, well, well why, why do I feel that I can talk about these topics and why do I think that we need to talk about these subject matter, the subject matter. And uh, there are two different questions, but both valid. And the reason why I think we need to talk about this subject matter is because it impacts all of us, all of us, 16 million customers of PG&E in Northern California. Uh, you know, we need to know about um the threat of fire, uh, not only to ourselves, but to our neighbors. And it does have a money-related impact because if our houses burn down and we don't have enough insurance, we're going to be, I guess, living out of our cars. And if we don't know enough about what our public utilities and our public utilities commission and our elected officials are doing to try to prevent or mitigate uh, the hazard of fire uh, um, in rural areas and in urban areas like where I live, where there's lots of trees, um, you know, we're not doing our job to protect our ourselves and our families. And that's also a financial matter in as much as we as the ratepayers are the ones that pay the utility to provide us with service. And we want to make sure that our, uh, our, our what we pay is used most effectively uh, you know, I don't think many of us care if uh, PG&E uh, has uh, leftover profit that flows to the bottom line to those that invest in it, but we want to make sure that before it flows to the bottom line that what we pay uh, makes sure that we're safe. And so that's why I think we need to talk about it. And so why 
why do I feel that I can talk about it? Well, first off, I think all of us as as, as citizens of California, this great state, and I, I'm, a, I'm a rate payer, should be able to talk about it. But in addition, I do have some background in this area. Uh, some of you um, know and others don't that I um, uh, I have a one of the reasons why I have an an LLM, a master's degree in, in intellectual property law, is because I was trained as an engineer at um, uh, Pacific Bell, it was at, at, at that time. And I, it shouldn't be a surprise to many of you that a lot of the same subsystems and issues that confront designing telecommunications networks, especially in the old days before they were all mostly digital, uh, it, it's the application and dip out, disapplication of alternating current that allows one to transmit voice and data over telephone lines. So they're basically, you know, power lines. And I, I was trained in that subject matter. And I am also very interested in what's going on at Pacific Gas and Electric Company. So that's why I, I, I don't feel I'm stepping outside my bounds when I attempt to lead a discussion on this very important uh, subject matter. So as I've shared with you before, um, my it's my thesis that our collective focus on stemming wildfires has everything to do with our finances. And as much, again, as California ratepayers and California taxpayers, we're the ultimate underwriters of each and every cost of each and every thing that even remotely touches or relates to um, the, our power grid. And so we have a right to have our voices heard by those who make decisions for us, about us, and our families. And, you know, this is even more so the case in uh, this new environment where we find ourselves on the short end of what's going on in our environment, climate change, with the increase of uh, wildfires because of drought. And um, one of the um, persons that got in touch with me wanted me to talk about uh, vegetative management and how that impacts on uh, fire safety. But I want to, you know, broaden the subject and and just really focus on at least three of the issues that involve involved in making us fire safe, hopefully. That is fire prevention strategies, tactics, and methodologies, such as making sure that we have effective vegetative management programs throughout the state. Also, that we're underwriting and upgrading our safe electric and gas transmission and distribution system by looking into the possibility of developing a state-funded mechanism to do that, and that would you know, mandate that the taxpayers be in some control of that system. Also, we need to do and and implement innovative technologies to monitor fire-prone areas of our state to protect uh, the power grid, such as using drones and remote sensors. I talked about that a bit last week. And um, we also need to if, if we're going to use shutoff as a mechanism to make us safe, we need to make sure that we implement it in some kind of logical fashion to make sure that our uh, hospitals and emergency management teams and elderly individuals um, don't get locked in elevators and can't escape buildings because the power is shut off. So that those are things that we need to take 
think about. And we also need to think about remediation, making sure that there's enough insurance uh, or we have pools to help rebuild. So today I'm going to jump right into the discussion where we're going to look at what is known as hardening the power grid. And hardening the power grid means what do we do besides vegetation management to make sure that those power lines that are running down our backyard don't catch on fire with the trees, and there's certain things that we can do. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit deeper, go a little bit deeper in what it means to hardening our power generation, transmission, and distribution systems to make us more fire safe. But first, we're going to take a short break. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on what we as a statewide California community need to do and need to know to prepare for the next rural wildfire or urban conflagration and how hardening our electric power grid can help us reach that goal. Now, my source material uh, is uh, this great website that I ran across by accident. It's called uh, T&D World, and that stands for Transmission and Distribution uh, World, uh, whose stated mission is to provide utility executives, managers, engineers, supervisors, operators, and line persons with must-read information on the design, engineering, construction, operation, and maintenance of the electric power delivery system. Uh, This includes in-depth understanding of the transmission, distribution, substation, and automation, and all the things that you need to have power flow through electrical wires. And it provides this information and other insight into the technology to help those who are managing Power, the power grid know what it is that they need to do, those who manage it as well as those that supervise it, as well as those um, uh, public utilities commission that basically make sure that the utilities are doing what they need to do. So way back in, in it, one of its 2013 editions, T&D World published an article by Nicholas Abi Samtra and Lee Willis of Quantra Technologies, and Marvin Moon, who works at the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. And the article that they collaborated on, and which was published in TND World, was entitled Hardening the System. That is to say, to identify effective hardening opportunities, a system must be examined, examined from underground facilities to structures, wires, and also vegetation. So, What does structural hardening mean as far as electricity is concerned? The most common hardening, and this is, again, according to what was published in T&D World Magazine, the most common hardening practice for electric transmission and distribution systems is upgrading poles and structures with stronger material. It also may include installing guides, those are guide wires, and other structural support. Transmission structures are usually upgraded from aluminum to galvanized steel uh, to concrete. 
materials are typically upgraded to meet certain grade and wind loading criteria as designed by the entities that are um, the supervisory agencies of electric transmission. And it looks at things such as the the grades uh, of pole strength that are necessary to withstand wind and storm. So strengthening poles and towers by installing guide wires and upgrading across arm material is also common hardening method. Any, and they're called guide, any guide wires can increase structural strength without the need for full pole replacement. So basically what happens is you strengthen the existing uh, facility so you don't have to replace it. And you also upgrade the cross arms. Those are the um, the carriers for the wires. The thing that, what the wires um, rest into, and and you upgrade that material to strengthen it as well. Because what happens a lot that causes fires in areas where there's vegetation is sometimes the poles um, they they um, fall down. Uh, the wire connections don't hold when the wind blows uh, uh, very strongly. For example, the last time PG&E um, threatened to pull my power it was because of a windstorm. And, and it's, these are similar things that happen with um, uh, gales and uh, winter storms back on the East Coast. But out here in California, the, it's the wind force that might manipulate the wires and cause them to break or uh, touch uh, arc after and then touch the vegetation, and that would set fire. So the idea to strengthen or harden the poles and the support system for the electrical transmission system is very important. So the article says um, transmission and distribution poles subject to storm surges and flooding require guying. Again, guide wires, strengthening. Cost and procedures for installing guide wires vary according to the height of the pole or the structure, the soil conditions, assembly configuration, design, and wind speed. For example, if lines pass through marshes, it may be necessary to install anchors as such, you know, as much as 100 feet deep into the ground to stabilize the poles. Uh, and that's very important. And uh, the costs, uh, the most expensive guiding law problem includes poles that are installed in sand and silt soils. Tougher California state standard for pole loading calculations have led to the use of steel poles for heavier construction instead of traditional wooden poles, including, um, well, I won't go into this, this technical detail because that'll put you to sleep, but basically... The structural upgrading, the things that support the wires that deliver the uh, electricity to our homes and businesses need to be replaced. And that is to say we need to go from uh, poles, from wooden poles to aluminum to steel or to concrete and have the appropriate um, support mechanisms to uh, carry that is to say, uh, uh, in case the wires that provide the transmission. Another area that I've talked about before is undergrounding. That is placing utility lines underground because it eliminates their susceptibility to wind, to ice, and to lightning damage. 
in the United States, undergrounding has been proposed many times as a way of effective hardening, but it's often been set aside as a serious solution because it is so costly. Through undergrounding of existing overhead infrastructure is not economically feasible. Some utilities have considered targeting undergrounding projects, especially for line servicing critical infrastructure and selected backbone circuits. Though mostly immune to wind-related damage, undergrounding facilities can be prone to flooding. And I'll step out for a moment. When I worked for the phone company, uh, part of my uh, uh, area of responsibility was whenever we would have winter storms, I, um, my, some of my accounts were in downtown San Francisco, and wouldn't you know, there would be flooding in some of the old telecommunications systems that would shut down not only the power, but also the telecommunications transmission systems. So um, undergrounding isn't a panacea, but it's a very good start, but it's still very costly. But that's something, again, that we as the California co- community need to figure out how to underwrite and, and implement most effectively, cost-effectively. And then another thing that we need to consider is a smart grid. If we're going to go to the trouble of upgrading uh, our electrical grid, we need to um, make it as intelligent as we can uh, because in addition to weather-related issues, wind, fire, we also need to be concerned about cybersecurity. And uh, so a smart grid Uh, in addition to being able to switch on and off, automatically power down just the section with the the problem as opposed to shutting down an entire neighborhood. It also has defense mechanisms that cause it to be able to shut off, shunt off um, 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 cyber attacks or attacks by entities that have no business having access to our power grid. So that's another um, upgrade that we need to consider. So hardening of our power grid is an evolving concept. Again, getting back to the article, two strategic hardening concepts are evolving as utilities and regulators consider how best to handle the effect of wind or storm while holding cost at a justifiable level. The hardening uh concept involves circuits that would be designed for specific hardening attention. Often in the aftermath of a storm, including a windstorm, uh, with a widespread, widespread impact in a particular area uh, surrounding a community uh, because basic required services are not available for days after a storm. For example, as you know, gasoline stations have no power to pump gas because some of us have gone through that uh, up here in Northern California. People cannot buy ice to throw into their refrigerators and pharmacies cannot open. This was a frequent complaint in Florida when they had the 2005 uh, hurricane season and also back uh, in 2013 when New Jersey and New York uh, went black as a result of Hurricane Sandy. So this is a nationwide problem. 
but we in California, we have something that's in addition to what's going on back east. We are in a drought that seems to be going on forever. So we need to focus our energy on what it is that we can do to hearten our our transition system. Otherwise, we will not be able to enjoy a quality of life that we deserve. Okay, so we need to develop a hardening initiative, conduct the proper research, and understand that we all have to work on this together. So we're going to leave it there for now, but in closing, as I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including the law of nature that can cause forest fires and how we can work together to prevent them, at least, you know, mitigate them, if not completely prevent them. Till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 